The SaaS Universe podcast is brought to you by Efficient Capital Labs. Realize your future revenue today. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the SaaS Universe podcast. Today, Joseph Abraham, founder and CEO of Startup Atom, has a virtual sit-down with Rajesh Jain, the founder and MD of Netcore. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello and welcome to the SaaS Founders Podcast. It's so nice to have you, Rajesh, on our show. And uh, we were having this quick chat before this you know, recording and a lot of different things that caught my attention, you know, is something that I want to express. And the first one was this whole term called Proficon. And I heard the, this term before, but never beautifully explained the way Rajesh explains it. And I'm pretty sure you'll also get to listen to that. Um, also, one of the other things that I liked about Rajesh as I was going through his profile is that he's very articulate about his thoughts and especially um, people shy away from talking about politics and I have seen Rajesh not doing so and um, being very brazen about it and, and he's a straight shooter and at the same time, um, he's able to like share what he wants to share, which is really brilliant. So I highly recommend you you know, going and reading his his webs, you know, blogs on his site. It's going to be very, very useful to you. And so, thank you, Rajesh. I mean, it's really nice to have you on our show. A pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Joseph. Great. So, I'm going to, like, uh, do a whole journey rewind. <laughs> Let's go back to the origins of um, Netcore. And um, how, did it, how did it all start? I'm, I'm pretty sure, like... Um, you have a great story. I mean, you studied at IIT, went and studied in US, furthered, furthered you know, your studies there and connected to different people. But how did Netcore happen? And, and just take us through the whole genesis of Netcore. Sure. So before I start with the Netcore story, I'll have to back up a little bit uh, oh, sure. to talk Absolutely. about my previous venture, India World, because that is what led to the origins of uh, Netcore. Yes. So after I had come back from the US in uh, 1992, mm -hmm. and uh, for me, the decision to come back was actually made by my father. Uh, when I went to the US, he said, finish your master's in nine months, work two years in the US, and then come back and do whatever you want in India. He had done the same in the mid-60s. Right. So uh, that was sort of uh, the decision was already made for me. I came back and uh, the first couple of years, there were a lot of failures. I tried many different ideas. Um and uh, nothing, none of them worked out. And it was in late 1994 that I uh, went back to the US for a couple months uh, trying to explore what to do. There were three, four ideas that I had. And one of them was to do with the internet. And I'd, I'd realized the problems when I wanted to come back to India. Getting information on India was very, very difficult. And uh, so I thought maybe the internet, uh, which was just emerging at that time, could be a great bridge of information. And that's how... I launched India's first internet portal in March 1995. Wow. Uh, very different from my previous background, which was in technology. This was more like a media platform. Uh, but entrepreneurs are a bit like that. You know, you, you go where yeah. the opportunities are. <laughs> and uh, we launched around the time that Yahoo launched, around uh, the time that eBay launched. So we were very early. And uh, India World grew very well. Uh, uh, and we got a good exit in India World. Uh, in November uh, 1999, when Satyam Infoway, uh, later on called SIFI, they bought us for $115 million. Most of it was cash. Nice. Uh, we had not raised any capital. Uh, th wow. That's uh, 
the proficon uh, yeah. netcore is the second proficon we'll talk about that later awesome uh, so the idea being that uh, uh, the origins of netcore started and we have pivoted through the years so like many companies we are 25 years old now uh, but the early origins were as a as a linux based a mail server company because we used to set up websites for companies they were getting emails they didn't know how to handle them so we helped set up uh, open source uh, solutions on their local area networks helping them uh, get the emails route them internally giving email ids to all of their people so they could then interact among themselves and of course with uh, potential customers uh, globally uh, so that was the start for india world but uh, uh, for the first 10 years we didn't grow much and uh, i tried a lot of different ideas we built the world's we built the world's first blog search engine um, but there were ideas probably ahead of their time. Um, we couldn't take them to market. Uh, so had to um, I had to experience a lot of failure with many of the products that I had at that time. And it was in 2007-8 timeframe when two things happened. When I professionalized the management, I brought in a CEO to help build out Netcode. Uh, Abhijit Saxena, he was the first of uh, three CEOs in the last 15 years. And second is that we focused on enterprise services, email and SMS at that time, which are really the cornerstones also of uh, Netcore today. We've expanded the portfolio, but uh, that's sort of the foundation for the Netcore that you see today. We would help uh, companies send out SMSs to their customer base, emails to their mailing lists at that time. So we called it bulk mass mailing, uh, 2007, eight timeframe, Indian customers uh, primarily. Mm-hmm. And that's how we began. Awesome. Awesome. Great. I mean, really, really great journey. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's nice to actually see a seasoned entrepreneur. I mean, very rarely do I get a seasoned entrepreneur who who understands. I mean, I'm, I, it feels more like, you know, talking to a cricketer, you know, and then all that sorts, right? You know, understands the field and, and um, gets to know how to operate. So how did this whole, uh, you know, pain point or problem statement aspect was discovered, right? So did you like, was this something that you were struggling with or you saw somebody at close quarters struggling with and you really felt that you need to do something about it and it was very gripping for you? Yeah, so what happened is that when we began, we were trying to do some consumer SMS services, uh, basically, uh, but there, but that was a huge cash burn because we had to spend uh, uh, sending out the SMSs and then TRAI jacked up the prices uh, dramatically. So true, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, so uh, that became a problem. We had to stop those services. So we had SMS expertise, we had SMS infrastructure. So we figured what do we do with it? And that's where the idea came that, hey, you know what, there are lots of mobile phone users in India and enterprises could uh, also uh, benefit from sending out SMSs to their customers. A couple other companies have already started in India at that time. So we leveraged our own SMS infra to do that. The email story was somewhat similar. Uh, we used to do the uh, Linux-based mail servers for internal emails primarily uh, for customers. And they said, you know, we have collected a lot of email IDs of our customers. Uh, they all B2C companies. And we need to send out mails to them in a smart way. We can't send out sort of one at a time. We need to do mass mailing, you know, bulk uh, emailing. And then we built a platform uh, for enabling them to send out emails to lists. So they could then do some segmentation on their lists. 
and start sending out emails to their uh, large lists that they had. So both of these sort of started a little differently. One came out of a problem. One came out of just listening to, both in a way came out of listening to customers uh, and solving pain points. And I think that's the best way to build products, basically listen to what uh, customers really uh, are experiencing, the pain that they're experiencing. And then how do you work on solving that with some expertise that you have uh, rather than sort of going in completely afresh? Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. So um, in your whole journey, right, I know Netcore has matured as a product and now it's got a suite of products, but um, any moment of epiphany that that you look back and you really like soaked up the whole, you know, the emotion at that point of time, looking back and, and building the whole things, any moment of epiphany that that made you feel that, hey, this is really validated, worth the journey, worth all the struggles and the pain. So very recently, uh, I was in the U.S. Uh-huh. It, I love visiting the U.S. because, uh, you know, you get to meet a lot of people. There are conferences which happen um, uh, and they are very high quality content. Uh, and it was two and a half years because of the pandemic that I had not been able to travel. And uh, so on this trip, I uh, U.S. is a small business for us. We had started our journey a couple of years ago. So on this trip, I, uh, I met with... Uh, quite a few of our customers uh, there and just listening to them in terms of describe how uh, Netcore is helping them, I think uh, validated a core belief that I've had for some time that the products that we have, which have largely worked very well in India and emerging markets. So unlike many other uh, SaaS companies, we started in India uh, more as an enterprise software company. And of course, now it's all moved to a SaaS model. Yeah, uh, uh, Southeast Asia, Middle East, Africa, they have worked very well. But there's always the doubt whether uh, these things can work in the US and developed markets. And uh, Netcore has 50 plus customers uh, now in the US. Uh, we also did a very large acquisition a uh, couple months ago. Uh, acquisition come investment unboxed, which is into a complementary space uh, as ours. And just seeing the fact that we as a company in India are able to service customers globally. We now have over $10 million in revenue between Netcore and Unboxed coming from the US. I think is is phenomenal because uh, when I began uh, India World, when I began Netcore, my goal was to really build a 10 crore revenue company. India World was like a few crores uh, in revenue, probably a sub uh, under a million dollars when I sold. And now to think of a company, I was reflecting back on the on the flight. And I said, you know, we've come a long way. It's close to $100 million now in, in revenue, looking at an IPO next year. And it's been, a, it's taken us a long time. I probably uh, could have short-circuited the journey uh, had I brought in professional management earlier. <laughs> uh, I'm not very good yeah. at sort of uh, the go-to market and all of that. I like ideas and that's the real my sort of work in. Um, but uh, uh, it's been a great journey. Uh, and uh, uh, I've always looked at Netcore as a company where it's it's what Jim Collins would call a, call a built-to-last company or an enduring great company. And we've never had a sort of a short-term vision. We are not uh, working to sell. We have no investors in Netcore. Uh, that's what I call a Proficon, private, profitable, uh, bootstrapped and highly valuable. India world was very similar. And uh, uh, 
by not having investors, you are able to take the very long term view. Uh, uh, sometimes, you know, you get investors looking for sort of, okay, what is the quarterly numbers you have and so on. And obviously that will change once, I, once we do an IPO. But I think the ability to think long is what has always helped us uh, in, 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 in Netcore. So it's this uh, um, sort of uh, ability to think next three years, five years, 10 years. You know, what is the vision that we have? Uh, how is it that we build a company out of India uh, which can service global customers and actually seeing uh, and uh, listening to customers uh, in the US talk highly of the product that we have, how we are helping them, I think was was a moment of uh, great joy for me. Wow. Yes. So having said that, I'm going to ask you, um, you know, for three quick advices you have for uh SaaS founder who who is at the verge of starting a business. So, if you had to, this is more like talking to yourself. You know, if you had to go back in time and give advice to the twenty year old Rajesh, what would that be? Or any couple of advices? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I'll I'll pick three themes that are very close to my heart as we build Netcore. So that's really what I would advise them. I think the first is that get past the tyranny of the or and focus on the genius of the and. It's a phrase from one of Jim Collins's books. Many times you are told, like very specifically to apply this, you are told that you can either have growth or you can be profitable. And most investors tend to uh, prefer growth. And growth at all costs actually can be quite dangerous uh, because at any time when the capital runs out, or there's a slowdown, as we are likely to experience in the coming months, that then can be very damaging to the business. Then, you know, you have got to take uh, very tough decisions of probably laying off people and so on. Netcore one, so I would advise the entrepreneur, look at profitable growth. Look at profits and growth. It's possible to combine it. We have done it. Companies like Zoho, uh, Wingify, uh, Zykus, uh, Root Mobile earlier, Ferns and Petal, uh, Citius Tech in the healthcare space. There are many companies who have done this. Zerodha is another example uh, who've grown and who are profitable uh, without having raised external capital. So all of the companies I mentioned have built their businesses uh, uh, without raising capital. Root Mobile, of course, went uh, IPO um, a year or so ago. Uh, but uh, the entire business uh, was built without external capital. So it's possible to do it. Uh, it just means you have to work harder. You have to think harder. There's less money to waste. You've got to think of the path to profitability very early on. So that's the first advice I would give. The second is think long term. So uh, many entrepreneurs now tend to sort of begin by saying, hey, you know what? I'll, in their presentations, we'll build this business out in the next three, four years and we'll we'll get this kind of valuation and we'll exit. In my mind, the path that the entrepreneur is on or should be on is a highway where there are no exits God. so you've got to run this you've got to imagine that you're going to run this for the rest of your life okay there is no looking back this is the business you have uh, there is no uh, no there, there are no exits of course you will evaluate opportunities to exit as they come along but in your mindset it has to be that i'm building this for the rest of my life Got it. Okay. Because then the decisions that you will make are very different 
from a business which is built to sell versus built to last. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So that's the second piece of advice. You know, think long term and make decisions appropriately. And the third is uh, um, what I call as extreme employee centricity that make your employees part of the growth story. Uh, Netcore is probably one of the very few companies which has uh, 25% equity reserved for employees. Our ESOP pool is 25%. Wow. And wow. Uh, 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 I think hopefully when, when we do an IPO, we'll have created more wealth than many other companies have created where the founders and employees end up probably with single digit uh, sort of equity stakes, uh, even though they are they have raised a lot of capital. Uh, but I think we would have probably done far better than many of those companies. Of course, no one likes to talk about us, write about us because we are not sort of venture funded. But from an entrepreneur's perspective, it gives me great satisfaction that uh, over the years, we've now built a very fu- very strong business, uh, which when we uh, when we list, will have will create a very will have very good wealth creation for a lot of our our employees, past uh, and and present. And we've done two buybacks, two ESOP stock buybacks also with our own capital. So profitability, uh, a profitability combined with growth, a long-term view, and uh, make, your, uh, make your employees uh, large beneficiaries in the growth story, in the success story that you create are the three pieces of advice that I would give to uh, entrepreneurs. No, oh, those are like amazing value bombs that you already dropped. So, I mean, uh, if you're listening to this, I think you want to like really, really, Go back, reflect where you are, where you are, and then probably benchmark and and plan from there. So, I'm interested in the early early stages again. Going back, um, how did you get your first ten customers? I mean, how did you cross the chasm? Okay, so uh, if I look back, uh, I'll, I'll focus on the email business because that's a, we have now multiple products: email, SMS. We have a full marketing automation stack, and plus we've done three acquisitions, so it's a it's a large uh, portfolio. Uh, basically for B2C companies, for customer engagement and so on. But uh, in the email business, uh, the email uh, marketing business that we had, we already had a number of customers who were using us for their mail server business. So we had the Linux mail server business. So the first 10 customers really came from a subset of those customers. So there were companies there who had a pain point. How do I send out email to not 20 people, but 20,000 people or 100,000 people. And that is where we built our solution. So they came to us with a problem. We solved it for one company. And then we realized that there are at least five, 10 other companies in our portfolio who have the same problem, who are struggling to send out emails to their customers, telling them about uh, the new offers that they have, uh, uh, also triggered mails on uh, when when they bought a product. So this is India in the in the late 2010s, so about 2007 to 8, 9 timeframe. So that's how we got our first uh, 10 customers. And then once we had that, uh, then I think sort of the references multiplied. There were no other companies really doing that in India at that time. Yeah. Uh, So we had a virtual uh, monopoly. I'd like to say that we still probably do. 75% of India's email traffic and enterprise email traffic uh, from B2C companies actually goes out through us. Wow. Uh, so that's that's 12 billion emails in India, 18 billion emails globally. Wow. Um, uh, every month, every month. So that's wow. a lot of scale. Wow. So that's how we began. That's how we got our first customers. And then sort of there's been no looking back as it were. 
Amazing. So let's talk about today and fast forward to today. Uh, walk us through what is Netcore today. I mean, it's become a pretty big suite. Uh, I do see everything right from you started as SMS and email, but now you have us, you know, content, you know, you know, data platform, and you you have a very robust martech, you know. Uh, infra that you've already built, right? So if you can just quickly walk us through what sure. is what it is today and who does it help and what's what's your unique value proposition? Sure. So rather than talk about the actual products which are there, okay, let me let me look at it from the marketer side. You know, that's a better way to look at it. So what is you have all these B2C companies that are marketers, they have problems. Okay, they have pain points. So what is it? How, we, how is it that we are helping them? The first pain point that a marketer has is that how do I build a hotline to my existing customers? So I have these customers. I need to get them back to my website or app or even perhaps to my store, physical world store. Now, there are only two ways I can do it. I either have a phenomenal brand, in which case people will come automatically, like an Amazon or a Flipkart or whatever. Or I have to use push messages, whether it's emails, whether it's SMSs, WhatsApp, push notifications, to be able to attract them back. So that's the first problem we solve for brands. So it's what I call the push problem, the, the push pipe, really helping the hotline creation. The second is that how do I partition my customers? I have 1 million, 5 million, 10 million customers. Now for that, uh, I have to collect a lot of the data, uh, so that's uh, uh, and then I have to have various parameters on which I can do segmentation, because I probably don't want to send the same message across my push pipe to everyone. So there is this partitioning. So the second P, as it were, uh, the pipes, and then the second P is partitioning. So there are multiple uh, ways by which the segmentation can be done, but linked with the segmentation, of course, is the data collection the analytics that is there and so on. And we are collecting the analytics from uh, the websites that their customers are visiting, from the app also that customers are visiting, from the actions that people are doing on emails. What emails are they opening? What emails are they ignoring? What uh, links are they clicking on? All of that data comes in together and lets you do this partitioning uh, that is there. Um, and that's typically through a MarTech suite, uh, uh, which is there. The third is really what are the actions that marketers can do on the properties that they have? So on the website, how do I do journey orchestration? So you've added something to my cart, you've not completed the purchase. Now, how can I uh, send you trigger messages for you, uh, which can help you complete uh, that transaction? How can I personalize the website for you? You are different from someone else. So when you're coming there, how can I show you the right products for you? Mm-hmm. How can I send you, uh, uh, how can I basically uh, show you the products which are very likely to get you to make the transaction? So the sort of the next best action, as it were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I uh, essentially do things uh, where uh, I can give nudges inside of an app? So as a marketer, uh, there's a lot of pathways that I can guide you on. But maybe sometimes I want to highlight a few things. Like uh, in this case for uh, one of our customers, uh, Airtel, uh, what we help them is with their prepaid customers. When they come mm-hmm. in, 
mm-hmm. two days before their uh, period is uh, expiring or their uh, time uh, the the maybe the, the 30 days or whatever pack is expiring you want to guide them towards ensuring that the pack is renewed so you want to highlight some parts on the app to make sure that they pay up in time otherwise airtel would lose a customer because it's a prepaid right. pack mm-hmm. so all of these are products where netcore essentially helps so right from sending out emails smss that's part of the push pipe uh, collecting all of the data into a marketing cdp then the journey orchestration personalization nudges which right. are there mm-hmm. and now in the last couple of months the uh, the product that we've added which is also solving a big problem for uh, b2c and d2c companies is really the search box so everyone has all all have the search box and a lot of uh, times the the journey begins with a search and in many cases if the search results are not very good then you lose the customer so you may have the product in your catalog but if you're not able to surface it by deciphering the intent of uh, uh, the typed in words uh, then you will lose the customer so unboxed has an amazing ai based uh, platform which really helps with search which helps with recommendations because they can aggregate data from across a lot of searches see what people clicked on what they did not click on and so on so these are i think very very critical problems for marketers because the solving these right helps them on their journey to profitability and that's really very important because otherwise you will miss out on your existing customers and then you have to then get into the Uh, spending on new customer acquisition through Google and Facebook, which is very very expensive. True. So True. taking care of your customers stops the ad waste, which happens, you know, on reacquisition, wrong acquisition, and so on. So that's where the world of Martech becomes very important. I think uh, Martech is really the key to profit-centric marketing. You know, where it's the engine really uh, for your existing customers. Uh, that's what drives retention. That's what drives loyalty. that's what drives referrals if you have a good experience uh, on the property on the website or the app a personalized experience personalized emails you'll talk about it to others it uh, drives referrals which reduces the cost of new customer acquisition so netcore really is the uh, is one of the key uh, uh, invisible entities between the brand and the customer creating for amazing experiences wow so it's almost like powering the whole ecosystem you know so to speak for a customer you know end to end right that's how i i i see oh absolutely so, right yep so going back to this whole thing about i wanted to ask you a question on raising funds but then you actually threw this whole amazing thing back at me saying hey we are a profit con <laughs> so i want to i want to dig a little more you know you know uh, and and understand about what is the thesis for profit con you know so how did you actually like come to a place where you decided as as a founding team that we are going to be bootstrapped even though there's there's an abundance of capital and this is our thesis and this is why you know we are doing what we're doing right so i believe every entrepreneur has a thesis for being a bootstrapped founder and what was your thesis so when i started india world uh, that was way back uh, like i said early 1995 uh so the advice in fact my the advice that my father had given was when i came back to india a couple few years earlier he said never take on debt hmm. and do not take other people's money till you are hmm. 100% sure you can return it back 
for uh, companies who wanted an internet presence so even though we had our portals advertising took some time to come in but we started doing the websites and that helped the cash come in on a regular basis and it's not that we did not try joseph to raise money even in netcore uh, even in um, india world uh, i've tried many times uh, i've singularly failed in all my efforts and uh, uh, sometimes i like to Uh, when i think about it i say probably my problem is that i go into a meeting uh, with a vc or a pe and i tell them my expected valuation right up front <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, and every time i don't get it i sort of increase it for the next uh, i don't reduce it but i increase it for the next one uh, and i it's a, it's a fair number which i quote and i tell them look you know you're not going to find anything wrong in my business you can do the due diligence you're going to get to this discussion might as well save us both time if you can't match what i want i am not going to come down and uh, there's no point having the conversation so only if you're interested should we have even a next round of discussion um and well so it's never worked out um uh, but i can take that uh, bold approach because i have money in the bank because i'm making money every month i have profits uh, i can take an aggressive approach and uh, uh it's basically sort of worked out well we've had our ups and downs through these 30 years as an entrepreneur but uh, i think it's it's a good outcome that uh, uh, good place where we are at right now so uh, that's how it's been awesome so um this is this is really amazing to 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 know right so i'm going to go to my most favorite segment which is uh, rapid fire right so i'm going to ask sure. you some quick rapid fire questions and i don't have a hamper right now to send you but <laughs> i know you're very far away but i will send you a hamper if you answer really well so let's see how you <laughs> how well you do rajesh right so sure. great so the first question is are you reading a book or watching a movie anything that you want to share with our you know listeners that could encourage them so it's a book i uh, finished reading i'll also tell you a book i'm reading right now but a book for entrepreneurs which i would very very highly recommend is uh, the last book of jim collins beyond entrepreneurship 2.0 it's not as well known as some of his earlier books good to great and built to last right but in beyond entrepreneurship 2.0 uh, there is this map uh, in one of the chapters which basically brings together all his learnings and all his uh, principles from through uh, his uh, uh, writer from his writing career Uh, and 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 guiding businesses and i think it gives a shared vocabulary to the founding team so it's something which i would recommend that all founders uh, read uh, with their teams and we had done this exercise a year and a half ago and it was fantastic 
Oh wow. Okay. The book I'm reading right now uh, uh, so it's not exactly rapid fire I'm taking a little bit more time to answer it. Yeah, no issue. A longer answer <laughs> but uh, is uh, Winning on Purpose by Fred uh, Reichelt. Um so uh, Fred Reichelt is uh, the uh, person who came up with the net promoter score. And uh, this is a probably fourth or fifth book which he has come out with just came out a few months ago. And the book talk has one of the ideas in the books in the book is about uh, uh, the uh, net promoter 3.0 and an idea which he discusses is earned growth the entire focus really is on existing customers how do you track uh, the returns or the growth from existing customers how do you build a business uh, and measure the growth excluding what you're spending on paid media so it's a great way to build a business uh, one of the lines in the book in the first chapter is basically how that the purpose of a business is to enrich the lives of customers and i think it's a great line uh and one of the podcasts that i heard fred arikel said that really the best way to be profitable is to make sure your customers come back and they bring their friends along and i think in that one sentence you know you capture retention repetition and referrals and somewhere marketing has lost its way in the last 10 years because it's all become about new customer acquisition I think we sometimes miss the importance of existing customers and if we just take care of them I think that's the route to to sort of what I call exponential forever profitable growth yeah absolutely absolutely thank you for suggesting both these books i mean really really good is there a, is there a ceo that you are at this point of time like studying and following um or in the past you've done so that you want to share so uh i'd met up person a few years ago and when i'd asked him for advice on how should i grow netcore mm-hmm. uh this was sort of after i'd some of i'd done some of my political work and i was coming back into netcore and he said rajesh look at a company uh danaher d a n a h e r uh, it's a us company uh it has done perhaps the best in acquisitions so it has grown with acquisitions he said as you grow you will have to look at doing acquisitions right so he said danaher will teach you two things how to do acquisitions uh, uh in a way that they don't fail because most acquisitions do tend to fail and the second is they have this thing called the danaher business system which they get all their companies to adopt mm-hmm. where it's almost like the japanese kaizen system so basically yeah. where you improve every day mm-hmm. so it's processes which really guide the growth uh, guide daily behavior Uh, rather than just ad hocness because if you want to build a company which is going to be big you will need both of these things you need very good processes you need a business system and you will need to do acquisitions right so uh, uh, i think the current uh, ceo of ge is the ceo at that time uh, of of uh, danaher uh, but uh, there are uh, there's a harvard business case study there are not too much on the company but there's a harvard business case study which i think uh, uh, shares a lot of info and they've been covered in some books one of the books that they've been covered is a book called leading from the titan uh, lessons from the titans uh, which came out a year ago where they take uh, the large uh, traditional companies uh, not the new age companies but there are lessons for what new age companies can learn from the traditional companies oh wow so again another very very that. good book Yeah. nice nice i think you scott given... davis is one of the authors uh, there are three authors from a company called melius research so i think it's uh, a, a le- lessons from the titans 
Got it. So I think next time I make a trip to Mumbai, I'm definitely going to come and have a sneak peek at your library. So I know that there's some amazing books out there. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Awesome. And um, what's your favorite SaaS SaaS tool? Okay. So uh, the tools I use in my personal life are are, uh, very few. I don't spend too much time on social media. My life is about creating chunky time. (laughs) for uh, thinking reading and writing right Um, so I try and avoid uh, distractions in my life in a way for me my favorite tool uh, is WordPress I know it's very basic but what WordPress allows me to do is to basically it's uh, helped me simplify the process of writing every day my blog at rajeshtain.com I've been blogging for more than almost uh, the bulk of my sort of working uh, for my entrepreneurial life from 1999 to 2012, I wrote daily. So at that time, it was movable type, uh, which was there. Uh, and then I stopped writing because I was working on the political uh, stuff. So I, I did not blog. But I April 2020, I restarted blogging and I chose WordPress. It's a very minimal theme. There are no distractions. But it's a tool which uh, just uh, uh, lets me write, get my thoughts out. And I don't worry about who is reading for me the writing is a process of thinking and uh, reading and making my own vision of tomorrow's world what you mentioned right in the beginning uh, better and better so the themes i write on are marketing entrepreneurship and india and uh, it's a tool where i spend quite a bit of time because uh, that's where i do my writing oh wow amazing amazing next quick question rapid fire question to you is how many hours of sleep do you get every night Okay, that's easy. Six and a half. Okay. <laughs> I typically sleep by 10 and I wake up, wake up at 4.30. Awesome. And what does it feel like to be, uh, uh, I wanted to ask Unicorn, but now I'm going to ask Proficon founder. <laughs> what does it feel like? I mean, <laughs> I mean it's, 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 it's good because we have the you know, uh, freedom of freedom to do what we want. Uh, two years ago, I had written a post on my blog, uh, Proficons versus Unicorns. Yeah, And I had written at that time that in terms of crisis, I had three or four distinguishing factors. And one of them was in terms of crisis, unicorns fire people and proficons hire people. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Great. And um, my last rapid fire question is, how has pandemic changed your life? Okay. So two things. Mm-hmm. One is that uh, it's taught me to work from home. Uh, I was always the sort of go to office uh, type of person. But now I'm I'm quite comfortable uh, spending time at home and uh, and working, and the second is it uh, got me a lot of time with my son. Uh, so life otherwise has been very busy, but uh, he was 15 when the pandemic started. He's 17 now, and we got a lot of time uh, together, and uh, uh, we just talk about you know now he knows. Uh, while he doesn't uh, know a lot of the people. But he knows them by face. He has a very good memory and he's become my personal Google. So I tell him, Abhishek, uh, that person I had spoken to you about, remember? Uh, what's hmm. his name? Uh, what did he say? That's fun stuff. More wow. important, I mean, on a, a more serious note, I think uh, it's helped us build a better relationship. Uh, otherwise, you know, fathers tend to be parents. Many, uh, uh, as a father, I was working a lot hard, working yeah. quite hard. You would not get as much time with him. Um, and our life is all about business. My wife works, so these are only kids. So uh, Netcore is really there at work and at home. 
Nice. So I have a very simple question and I have a last question. So my simple question is, um, how, what is your vision of, of politics? And I, I ask this question because a lot of times I think we want to make uh, every founders out there to make a big change. And um, politics is a really amazing vehicle to, to you know, be there and do that. Uh, and I li- love the fact that you, you just mentioned on your blog as well, on your about page, you know, uh, about not, um, you're not about politics, you're beyond politics, right? So, um, I mean, what's your advice to, to entrepreneurs? Like, how do you actually develop good sense of anchors uh, when you actually are, uh, are looking at these kind of themes in life? So, um, uh, my political journey, I have to tell you a short story as to how it began. Because it's not normal for sort of tech people or tech entrepreneurs to uh, wander into politics. Uh, when I was, uh, uh, it was probably 2008, uh, when my son was three years old, a friend of mine asked a question. He said, Rajesh, you're seeing a lot of things not going right in India, going wrong. You have the time, you have the money. I mean, if your son asks you when you grow up, Papa, you had the time and you had the money. Why didn't you do something about it when you saw all these things going wrong? What will you answer him? And from there, I realized that uh, I have to do something about it. You know, at the end of the day, politics does impact uh, all our sure. lives or the political decisions and decisions not made. And uh, uh, that started almost a 10 year plus journey. Uh, uh, some things worked out well, some things didn't. But the way I look at it is that uh, I think the question which all of us should be asking is, why is India poor? Why are Indians not as rich as Singaporeans, as Americans, as South Koreans, as Japanese, even as Chinese? I mean, we have the we are naturally endowed as a very good com- uh, country. Uh, we have great talent. I mean, we have the the same person who struggles in India to to do well is among the top earners in the U.S. or in Singapore. So true. So true. So, so why is India not poor? Because the answer to that question really can set us on a path to making Indians rich. And after the short answer, and I won't go into it's there on my a lot of the ideas I've written on my blog, but it's really about freedom. And that I think it's a probably a non-intuitive answer that once we realize that Indians are really not free, we are living in what I call British Raj 2.0, uh, and it's. <laughs> And it's been that way since uh, uh, since 1947 because the rules that govern us did not change much from what they were under the British. The oh, constitution yes. sort of was derived from the Government of India Act of 1935. And I think it's the entrepreneurs in India who have given a great hope for prosperity and wealth creation in the past few years. Uh, because entrepreneurs are now solving problems that governments in India have not solved for 70, 75 years. Yeah. Whether you look at education, you look at healthcare, you look at logistics. Uh, I mean, uh, I was at a, in, um, uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the conference that I attended in the US, uh, there was one presentation on what are the learnings for e-commerce companies from Asia. And one of them was uh, quick delivery 10-minute delivery, and the examples were all Indian companies. Okay. Now, whether they nice. survive long-term or not is, uh, is a, yeah. is a, is yeah. a moot question, but the very fact that people are innovating 
I mean, it takes a lot to get 10 minutes delivery to happen. Um, so true. And there's a so lot true. of innovation at the back end, tech innovation, you know, management innovation, et cetera, to, to get it done. And really entrepreneurs are India's great hope and perhaps the last hope that if we can build things independent of government, okay, if we can essentially uh, help downstream prosperity, right? Uh, uh, I think... Uh, you, we, we really will do wonders to the lives of a, of a, of a billion people. And uh, uh, politics is, of course, one vehicle for that. I think entrepreneurship is another vehicle for that. Uh, and that's what uh, sort of uh, we all should be thinking in our lives. How can we make one of these two paths, take one of these two paths to sort of give back and uh, make uh, make India freer and richer? Awesome. That That is really nice you know, way of looking at things and, and it's a very st- strong grounded perspective. So, I mean, it's coming from somebody who's been there, done that. So really love, love this. Um, I'm ending this question. I ask every every guest on the show, which is, uh, what's something that you wish you knew when you were 20? Economics. <laughs> okay, <laughs> got it. Um, uh, most of my uh, education was engineering. And I wish... I had developed a love for the liberal arts, especially economics. And it's the classical liberal economics. It's not the economics that is taught in India, which is sort of, I think, from what I hear from people, it's frozen in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> yes. All the socialism nonsense uh, that's hmm. there. Hmm. Um, but it's really this question of why are uh, countries rich? It's about, economics is really about human behavior. It's about incentives. Uh, it's about, uh, you know, uh, 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 the fact that spontaneous order is possible. You really don't need people to make uh, people in power to make decisions for us if you just leave us alone you know uh, we can make each other rich through voluntary exchange now these are ideas which i did not discover till probably i was 45 46 uh, and i think if i had probably learned about the right sort of economics uh, and perhaps spent a little bit more time on the humanities the liberal arts uh, very good literature etc i think uh, what they call the PPE, politics, uh, philosophy, and economics. Yes. Um, that's that's one regret I have, and I'm trying to make up for that now. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So it was really nice having you on our show, Rajesh. I mean, um, a lot of different topics that we discussed and um, got to know you as a person, um, got to know you as an entrepreneur, got to know you as a Proficon, you know, founder. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I was very excited about that because... I do meet a lot of founders in, and the encounters have been more about how do we raise the next round. Uh, and, and I think it grips them, you know, to the core that it's somehow you sell your soul, right? You know, in, in search of, of things like this. And the quest change because the quest was to actually solve something big and you had the opportunity, but then at some, some of the online things got messed up and priorities changed. But but it very deeply resonated with me. I mean, it, it made me question a lot of things that I do personally as well. So, I mean, thank you so much. And I'm pretty sure our listeners would would also love to to dig, go back, retrospect, reflect. I mean, there's a lot of reflection moments in this podcast. Uh, and and I'm, I'm so happy to and I'm delighted to actually have hosted you. Thanks very much, Joseph. I'll just add one more thing based on what you said just sure, now. Sure, absolutely. It is that, see, many times... Uh, uh, and this is the reality of, of, of entrepreneurship. People are going to fail. I have failed 30 times in my life. I have succeeded two times. Uh, and I think the key is that not to uh, not to let the failure get the better of you. 
uh, entrepreneurship is about climbing mountains beyond mountains. You, know, you, you climb one mountain and then you see another mountain ahead of you and that's your journey. And that's something which you have to be happy about. Okay, don't uh, give up. I mean, even if a business fails, it's the idea which has failed. It's not you as a person who has failed. Wow. Yes, absolutely. So same here likewise rajesh so i think these these um i think more than anything else for me this was more like um uh, um journey of reflection and and it's built good memories i mean in fact i think uh, i was able to reflect a lot of different things so kind of etched, it's it's etched right now <laughs> can't get it off me yeah so thank you so much for your time and it's been a privilege like talking to you and getting to know you and looking forward to staying in touch thank you joseph that's all for today folks Thank you for tuning into the SaaS Universe podcast. And remember, if you're looking for non-dilutive capital to help grow your business, Efficient Capital Labs is here to help. With their unique approach, you can receive up to 75% of your projected revenue as upfront capital and all within just 3 days. So don't wait. Head to www.ecaplabs.com to learn more and get started today. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time on the show.